0: Okay, let me pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you for another opportunity to look at how you have acted in history. And Lord, this morning as we look at the new covenant, we pray that you will pour out your spirit upon us so that we will learn and that we will see Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, good morning. And today is week nine and it is not the last class, John. Uh, We are getting close to the end, though. We are getting close to the end, but uh, it's not today. All right, so we will be looking at the New Covenant today. uh, And there is... Okay. Um, So just to recap a little bit, how did we get here? So this is our roadmap of the biblical narrative. We started all the way back in creation, right? And we moved forward into the Noahic covenant and also the Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic. And last time when we gathered, we looked at the prophets. We saw how the prophets prophesied and we'll, look, we'll do a small recap again today. But that's what we did. And today we will be looking at the new covenant, which is in the New Testament. Um, and we will set the stage up for next week. John, um, so that next week will be a loaded week. So just a uh, heads up, next week is going to be loaded. You don't want to miss next week. Okay. All right. So before we get into the new covenant, where did we stop? We saw that the, God made a covenant with David, that his kingdom, that his house will rule all of humanity, not just the house of Jacob or Israel or the house of Judah, but His house will rule all of humanity. But the Davidic kings are not ruling eventually. And in fact, they are in exile under foreign rule. And in this context, God raises up prophets. Okay, God raises up prophets. And the prophets have a twofold ministry. First of all, they're looking around and they're like, where is God's kingdom? God promised through David that his kingdom... Will reign and there will be a king, and but that's not happening. We're in fact under foreign rule, so but then they also look and see that it is because of Israel's unfaithfulness that God has cursed them and exiled them, and they become the prosecutors of the law, prosecutors of the old covenant. If you remember Deuteronomy, there are blessings and curses, and curses for being unfaithful, and that is what. The prophets are doing. They are going there with a message of judgment. You have been unfaithful. You have treated your uh, brothers and sisters unfairly. You have exploited the poor. You have not been merciful to the widow. And you have turned to other gods. You have worshipped Baal and you have built up altars for these false gods. And all of those judgments are proclaimed by the prophets. And they are indicting them of. The, that they broke the covenant, and they're also pronouncing curses, which are in Deuteronomy, that God uh, get, uh, that was part of the De- uh, old covenant. But that is not their only message. They also uh, have a message of hope. Okay, they say God Himself will deliver. He Himself will rescue. This is not the end, but He Himself will rescue. And that God will rescue through a king. We saw all of this last time that we gathered, that God himself will rescue through a king, and that king will be David. Not the same David who's dead and gone, but there will be a new and better David. He will be from the shoot of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. So this will be another David, a new and better David, and he will rule. And this um, redeemer, rescuer, will also be God's servant. We saw all of this in the last time that we met but we see that the old testament ends and these are not fulfilled okay we get to the end of old testament we have malachi the last prophet who uh, proclaims his uh, message from the lord and after that there's nothing like what's going on 400 years and there is no word from the lord the lord is silent for 400 years and then yes the israelites they come back into the land they are delivered from exile and they come and they build the city of jerusalem they also build the second temple but there is no presence of the lord if you remember in ezekiel the glory the cloud of the lord leaves the temple and is not returned yet okay And for 400 years, God is silent. What is going on? And people are wondering, where is God's deliverance? Where is God's rescue? Okay, so this is the context when we get to the beginning of the New Testament in our Bibles and also in history. This is what's happened. But then God sends his angel to a priest named Zacharias. Okay, he's a priest and he's offering incense according to the customs established during the uh, um, Aaronic days. And according to the priesthood, he is there offering incense. It was his turn. And when he's offering incense, an angel appears and speaks to him. Okay, and it's the beginning of something new. Okay, it looks like God is now beginning to act, beginning to speak. Anybody... Can tell me what the meaning of the word Zacharias is? Zacharias, anybody? Okay, Zecharias means the Lord remembers. It's not, I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence that it was Zacharias to whom the angel appeared. The Lord remembers, and that should bring us back to Genesis chapter eight, after the flood, when the ark was floating around in the waters, Genesis 8, chapter 1, opens with, with the Lord remembered Noah, okay? And then again, in, when the Israelites are in exile under the Egyptians, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 24, it says the Lord remembered the covenant he made with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And remembering here doesn't mean that, oh, the Lord had forgotten and somebody had to, knock him on his head to make him like, hey, remember, remember what happened? What you, what you said? No, that's not what remembering means here. Remembering here means that God is beginning to act. Okay, God is moving. God is making things happen. He is beginning to act towards Noah. He is beginning to act towards Israel. And now he's beginning to act towards all of humanity. Okay, so this is the beginning of what is to come. And what does the angel Tell Zacharias, this, he, uh, The angel tells Zacharias that you, you will bear a son. Zacharias was old, so was Elizabeth, and they were beyond their uh, childbearing age. But then the angel says that you will have a son, Elizabeth will bear a son, and this son will prepare the way of the Lord. Where is that from? That's from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, where it says there will, there will be a voice, and that's in Malachi, there will be a voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Okay, so these are the beginnings of what God said he would do, and it's a spark, and it's, it's beginning to happen, okay? Uh, the angel also says that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will be filled. He is not going to be... Uh, bringing the Holy Spirit, he's not going to fill, but he himself will be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And again, this should remind us of Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, which we saw last time, that in the new covenant, I will give them my spirit. So this is the beginning, right? It's beginning to happen. Six months later, Gabriel appears to Mary in Nazareth and tells her that you will bear a son. Um okay, it's not the same as what happened with Zacharias because Mary was a virgin, right? So Mary was a virgin and Mary's like, how can this be? Because I'm I'm still a virgin. How can I bear a son? And the angel will look at what the angel tells Mary also, but the fact that she's a virgin and that she will bear a son and God is saying that this is going to happen should bring us back to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, where Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and a child will be born. Okay, we looked at all of this last time when we met. So again, these prophecies are beginning to happen slowly. And what's more, she is betrothed to Joseph, who is from the house of David. So this child who will be born is going to be in the lineage of David, in the house of David. And we'll see more about this child in the next slide. There's more. (laughs) A third angel appears to Joseph in his dream and tells him, don't forsake Mary. Joseph knew that Mary was with child, and he, being a righteous man, wanted to uh, divorce her and not marry her. But then the angel appears to Joseph and says, no, don't forsake her because the child within her womb is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so these are the beginnings of um, God acting and God remembering his covenant and bringing things about. Let's look at what the angel actually told about this child. There is a huge passage in Luke chapter 1 where the angel appears to Mary and tells her a lot of things. And it says at the end, Mary stored all of this in her heart, right? So what did the angel tell Mary? The angel tells Mary that you will call him Jesus. And it's the same thing that the angel tells Joseph also in Matthew chapter one and verse twenty-nine. Anybody why the angel says you shall call him Jesus? I can hear some rumblings. He will save his people from his sins. Matthew 121, um, the angel tells Joseph, you will call him Jesus for he will save his people from his sins. The word Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew means to save, savior. Okay, so that is what the angel says. And what does this remind us of? Forgive them of their sins. What does that remind us of? Sorry. Jesus on the cross, okay, something in the Old Testament, something that we have looked at, something that we looked at last week, or two weeks ago, I know it's been 14 days. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, where the new covenant, he says, I will remember their sins no more. Okay, that is what God tells him. I will remember their sins no more. How will that happen? There has to be forgiveness, right? So this is what Jesus is going to accomplish. That is what the angel tells will happen. The angel also tells Mary that this will be the son of the Most High. And later on, the angel tells Mary that he will be the son of God. Where have we heard this before? Isaiah. Isaiah. Yes, Isaiah also, but who was the son of God in the Old Testament? I should give you guys a test. <laughs> Israel, yes, Israel. Remember when Moses goes to uh bring to talk to Pharaoh, God says, "Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go." Okay? And then we also see that Adam was son of God as we see in Luke. Uh, where it says Adam was the son of God. So again, the sonship aspect comes again. And we see also in the Davidic covenant, where God said, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Okay, so this is not something new. This is all what was already said, and the angel is basically saying, here, this child that will be born will be called the son of the Most High, the son of God. Okay? He says he will sit on the throne of his father David. Okay, so he is going to be from the lineage of David and he is going to sit on the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And that's exactly what God told David in the, in the covenant that he made with him. His kingdom will have no end. Again, more from the Davidic covenant, where God says, there will, "Your king, the the kingdom will never end. He will be on the throne forever." And we saw this also in Psalm 72 when we looked at Psalm 72 uh, when we were doing the Davidic covenant. It was the same thing where it says, "As the sun endures and as the moon, the king will be on the throne." Okay, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but. We saw the language of the sun and the moon, and um, it was the same thing. And finally, when Mary asked, how will this be? How will this be for I am still a virgin? The angel says, the, you will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Okay, So the child was with, Holy, with the Holy Spirit from conception. Not like John the Baptist, who was filled with the Holy Spirit after conception, but the child was conceived of the Holy Spirit, was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, from conception, sorry. Okay, so this is what the angel announces about this son who is going to be born of the virgin. Any questions? Again, we're still in the context, we have not come to... The new covenant yet okay this is what god is doing this is what he is acting as he remembers his covenant and this is the same as um god le- letting the waters go down or the waters uh, receding from the face of the earth in the flood of Noah, or God sending Moses to say, "Let my people go," because He remembers the covenant came after all of these things. Right. So right now we still haven't gotten to the covenant. We will get to it today, but these are all what is these are all the things that is happening before the covenant comes into effect. Any questions? Okay, all right. So we see after this that the child is born amidst um, some danger, and they go to Bethlehem, and again, that fulfills prophecy, which we have heard during our Christmas services, and um, I think George preached on it once about the prophecy in uh, Malachi, and um, if you're interested, I also wrote an article about it on my website. Link is at the bottom of your page. You can go and read it. It's called Not an Ordinary Birth. Um, So the child is born, and then the king Herod tries to kill the child, but God rescues the child, and then they go and settle in Nazareth. Okay, so this is what's happened. And then fast forward, we see John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who is John the Baptist? John the Baptist is the son of Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth. Okay, so he comes out in the wilderness, and he is preaching a baptism of repentance. And he is telling the people, come back, turn away from your ways, okay? And again, everybody sees him as a prophet. Crowds go and flo- uh, gather around him, and they are being baptized, they listen to him, they repent, and they are baptized. Even the high priests and the scribes, they send their people to find out, go see what's going on, looks like there is a prophet, And everybody acknowledges him to be a prophet. Okay, so he is out there and he's preaching. But when asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we're supposed to be expecting? John says, no, not me. But there is one who is coming after me and he will baptize you with fire and with spirit. With spirit and with fire. Again, where does that, what does that remind us of? Baptize you with the spirit. Pentecost yes but go back to old testament again Joel yes Joel 2 where it says I will pour out my spirit but also Ezekiel where it says I uh, God says in the new covenant I will pour out my spirit and I will give you a new heart and all of those things so again all of these things are prophecies or things that have already been said right and uh, we are coming to see all of this and God saying that okay here's the one who's probably going to do all of this, okay? And we'll see more about that. So the focus shifts on Jesus. Once John the Baptist sort of hands over the baton, the gospel writers pick it up with Jesus, and they focus on Jesus' ministry. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the is the son of Mary and of David, and he is the one that was... Um, born of the virgin and all of the things that were said. So this is the Jesus who was prophesied. And then we see him come uh, when he is about 30 years old. There's also an incident when he was 12. We're skipping that. But he comes when he's about 30 years old. And the first thing we see is he goes and he gets baptized by John. And he says, let this be to fulfill all righteousness. We'll look at all of those again. But just to give a snapshot of what Jesus does. Again, we're still not in the new covenant, right? We still haven't come to the new covenant. All of these things are happening. But if you remember, this, all of this is happening still when the old covenant is in effect, right? The new covenant hasn't initiated or been inaugurated yet, okay? So another thing to look at is most of the gospels, the four gospels, most of those happen in the context of the Old Covenant, right? So when we read the Gospels and when you see the Pharisees asking all these questions, why are you not washing your hands and why are you eating on the Sabbath? All of that is still in the context of the Old Covenant. So that is what they knew and that is what they were living under and that is why they were asking those questions, okay? All right, so this baptism and Jesus is taken into the wilderness, to be tempted. We'll look at that again uh, in more detail. And then he preaches a sermon on the mount. It's important to notice that it is on a mount because uh, on the mountain is where God gave the old covenant, right? And he says, you have heard it said, but I say now, I say to you, okay? He is sort of making his words superior to what was already said before by Moses, by God. And that's like, who is this guy? Like, why is he coming in? How can he supersede something that God had said? But no, he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you this, okay? Again, all of this we will look at in more detail, but just laying the context before we get to the new covenant. He proclaims that the kingdom of God is here Remember, the kingdom is what God was planning to do, even in the Old Testament, where he told uh, Adam, rule the earth, right? Rule the earth. And again, to David, he said, I will make you, um, I will give you dominion over all, the, all, all of humanity. Again, it's all kingdom language. And here, God, I mean, uh, Jesus comes about and he says, the kingdom of God is here. Okay? He says it's here. It's in your midst. What's going on? Where is it? And then he feeds the multitudes. Again, important things to keep in mind. Uh, he heals the six and he casts out demons. I mean, there is an explosion of miracles, right? It's not been seen before. And Elijah and Elisha were the ones who did miracles before that. But then there is nothing like this that we have seen. But Jesus just heals everybody that comes to him. And demons are cast out. All kinds of sicknesses are healed, and uh, people who are dead are raised from life, and there's just a huge explosion. And Matthew, when he records this, he says this is to fulfill what Isaiah said in chapter 53, where he bore our iniquities, okay? And that's Matthew 8:17. So he's just somebody whom the people haven't seen before, and everyone is wondering what is going on, what is happening here? And he, sa- and he forgives sins. And if you remember the story of the paralytic, uh, they drop him from the roof and he says, go, your sins are forgiven. And people are like, who is this guy who forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. And he shows that he is able to forgive sins. He claims divinity. He says, I am, before Abraham was, I am. And people are obviously super mad about it and they try to stone him and kill him. And he also says he's the Lord of the Sabbath sabbath which was the sign of the mosaic covenant as we saw he says he's the lord of the sabbath w- what is that about so and he pronounces judgments to all those pharisees just like the prophets did okay matthew chapter 23 but then if you also look at the parables so most of the parables were against the pharisees and the scribes who were not listening to the word of god through his teaching so this is what's happening and finally towards the end of his life he comes to jerusalem and there he celebrates the passover meal okay and when we get to the passover meal this is where we see the new covenant initiated okay and In the Passover meal he takes the Passover bread and he says this is my body and he takes the cup and he says this is the blood of the new covenant okay where have we heard blood of the covenant before if you remember in Exodus chapter 24 after God made a covenant with uh, with the Israelites Moses he slaughters an animal he fills the bowl half uh, fills the blood half in one bowl and half in the other bowl and he takes one half of the blood and he pours it on the altar and he takes the other half and sprinkles it on the 12 tribes of Israel and he says this is the blood of the covenant okay it's the same language that Jesus is using to say this is the blood of the new covenant okay again there is a ceremony but Again, this is not, I mean, everybody knows that this is not his blood because it's still whatever drink they were drinking because his body was still intact and his blood was not spilled, but he is referring to this as the blood of the new covenant, and he says this is my blood. Okay, and eventually, a day later, Jesus is crucified and all of his blood is spilled. Okay, all of his blood is spilled. That's where the... um, Soldier pierces his side and blood and water flow out, which means there was no more blood. All of his blood is spilled. So he spills his blood and he says, this is now the initiation of the new covenant. Okay, so we are in effect. The new covenant begins with the death of Jesus, but the effects are seen a few days later. Jesus becomes the first fruits of the new covenant, okay? He rises from the dead. And again, the resurrection is evidence that God has forgiven sins. Okay, if, and again, we can look in um, the, the rest of the New Testament where uh, Peter stands on the day of Pentecost and he says death could not hold him because there was nothing because there was no sin in him, there was nothing that that could hold him down. Okay, death could not hold him, which means that God has forgiven sins. There is nothing to keep to keep him dead in the grave. The power of death is sin, and sin has been forgiven, so death is powerless. And now Jesus is risen, and he is the first fruit of the new covenant. Not just that; he's the one who is filled completely with the Holy Spirit, even while he was not not only during the resurrection but even all his life you could see that john the baptist telling that here is the lamb of god he is the one who in whom the spirit is without measure john chapter three okay so he is embodying what the new covenant life will look like what we will be in the new covenant and then eventually during pentecost the other people are brought into the new covenant. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone, on the, on the disciples and on the 3,000 who are there, uh, who are baptized, th- that's the initiation of the new covenant. And then we see in the um, acts that other people are also brought in, the Gentiles. They are also brought into the new covenant because they also receive the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit was what the sign of what was the sign of the new covenant as uh, Ezekiel said, "I will pour out my spirit, I will remember their sins no more, and I will put my law in their heart okay so now they're receiving the Holy Spirit and because they're receiving the Holy Spirit, the apostles and the disciples are saying that, oh, they are also now being included in the new covenant, so it's not just for the israelites but it's also for the gentiles and then all kinds of people are being brought into the new covenant okay so now the new covenant is completely in effect and that's where we have also been brought into the new covenant when we repented and believed and received the holy spirit when we were born again any questions so far Okay, all right. So let's move on, let's look at the covenant itself today um, and uh, we'll set the stage for next week also. So who are the parties of the new covenant? Every, Every covenant that we have looked at, we have seen who the parties are because the covenant is between two parties. So who are the parties in this new covenant, or of the new covenant? Jesus, okay. Uh, Melissa and Chris said that, so one of you can say it. All that would believe, okay. Anybody else? Okay, yes. So it would be God and all who believe. There are so many verses about this in the New Testament, but I have given you John 3.16, where Jesus says, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will have eternal life. The only way you, can ha- you cannot die is when there is no sin because the power of death is sin. And when there is no sin, death is powerless. And that's the only way you cannot die. So John 3.16, Acts 2.39, where Peter uh, gives his sermon on the day of Pentecost, and at the end he says, "Repent and be baptized for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who believe right i 'm paraphrasing of course, but yeah um so it 's God and all the parties, but Jesus is the covenant mediator, just like Adam was the covenant mediator, and Noah and Moses and uh David in this case it 's Jesus and Abraham I forgot Abraham yeah um and Jesus is the covenant mediator. Everything that we receive, we receive through Jesus. If you remember the um, covenant with Adam, as Adam went, the whole creation went, right? If Adam was obedient and faithful, all creation was blessed. But when Adam sinned and was disobedient, all creation was cursed, okay? In the same way, Abraham, God says, Through your seed, so coming from Abraham, through your seed, I will bless the nations. So there are covenant mediators, and in this case, the new covenant is mediated by Jesus, and we receive everything through Jesus. As Jesus goes, everybody who is in the covenant goes. That's important as we look at um, more later on. Okay, but what about the house of Israel and the house of Jacob? Didn't we see in Jeremiah chapter 31 that God says that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob? Isn't that only the Jews? What about then why is it everyone who believe? What's the connection to the house of Jacob, house sorry, house of Israel and house of Judah in Jeremiah 31 to all who believe? What's going on? Uh, This is where there are multiple interpretations. Uh, We saw in the very beginning of our class, like week one, week two, where we said there are multiple interpretations of the covenants. And based on that, it determines theology also. And this is one of those things which we will look at, look in two weeks from now. Okay. Not next week, two weeks from now. Uh, We'll look at what are these interpretations um, and how we how do we understand the house of Israel and the house of uh, Judah it is important because it is a it is a dividing factor among different systems okay so that's why I, I think we need more time and I need to hurry here um, so we will not look at it now we'll look at it um, in two classes from now not two weeks in two classes from now All right, so what are the stipulations of the new covenant? What are the terms? What are, what's going on? Yes, Chris. Repent and believe, yes, that's to be included in the covenant. But what happens once you're included in the covenant, what should we do? Yeah, repent and believe is how you're included in the covenant. Just like um, in you, by circumcision, you're included in the Abrahamic covenant, and then what happens after that are the stipulations. Continue in fellowship, Continue in fellowship. Sanctification. okay. Sanctification, faith and, obedience. faith and obedience, okay. It's one word. Love. Yep, it's love God and love your neighbor as yourself. The, the whole thing is laid out in John chapter 13. After the supper, that's what John records. After the supper, after the initiation of the new covenant, he gets down and he washes the feet of his disciples. And then he says, I give you a new commandment. Okay, love one another as I have loved you. But then also as he get, talks more about it, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, so there, it's all about love. Love towards God and love towards our neighbor. And love towards our neighbor, Paul picks it up in Galatians chapter 5 also. And you can look through the references. But again, it's, the new covenant is governed by love. What's the sign of the New Covenant? What was the sign of the Noahic Covenant? Rainbow. Rainbow. Sign of the uh, Abrahamic Covenant? Circumcision. Circumcision. Mosaic Covenant? Sabbath, Sabbath, yes, good. What's the sign of the New Covenant? Baptism. Baptism, okay. Anybody else? Holy Spirit, okay? Anybody else? Sorry? Belief? Belief, belief? Corrine? Faith, you mean? Okay, anybody else? Repentance. Repentance, okay? So, the New Covenant has two aspects to it. Remember, we said that in the New Covenant, what did God say he will do? He will put his spirit inside Of us, right? He will give his spirit in us and he will give us a new heart. How do we know if a person has a new heart or no? How do we know if the person is filled with the Holy Spirit or not? Speaking in tongues is not counted, um, but how do we know? So there are two things internal yes you have to be filled with the holy spirit because that is what god said he will do in the new covenant and then the second thing is external to proclaim that that yes i am now repentant and i am filled with the holy spirit is done through baptism or uh, what we say it's the profession of faith it's not what saves you but it's the profession that you have been saved you have believed and you have received the holy spirit Okay, so those are the signs again. These are important and as we look at uh, Covenant theology for that matter. This is a huge dividing factor covenant theology is who the uh, what's followed by the Presbyterians And so again, it's the interpretation is different, but it's still the sign of the new covenant where internally you are filled with the Holy Spirit Okay, your sins are forgiven, you have a new heart, you are regenerated, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit internally. And externally, that is proclaimed through baptism. Okay, what's the purpose? And for every covenant that we've been looking at, we've looked at what's the purpose of the covenant. So the purpose of the new covenant, the first thing is forgiveness of sin. God said it already in Jeremiah 31, that I will remember their sins no more. And again, we saw Jesus. He came so that he will save his people and and forgive their sins. And he said, this is my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of many. Okay, so the first purpose of the new covenant is forgiveness. And why is forgiveness important? Because if you remember, Adam sinned, right? And he could never get out of that sin, or out of that guilt and out of the power of sin. He could never get out of that. And God said that I will send my seed. Okay, so forgiveness of sins. It's also regeneration and a new heart. We saw in the covenant with Noah, God wiped out everybody except for the eight people. And even though God wiped out everybody, there was no heart transformation, right? People were sinful before the flood and people were sinful after the flood. The flood didn't really uh, change anybody's heart. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Again, we'll look at this more, um, but the indel- indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where God says, "I will put my Spirit," and also in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah, He says, "I will put their law, I will put my law on their hearts. No one will have to tell them know the Lord, because everybody will know the Lord from the least to the greatest, and they will follow the commandments. And the Holy Spirit is who enables us to do that." to follow God's commandments, to live in freedom and not be subject to sin again. Okay? It's union with Christ. I said everything comes through Christ. Christ is our covenant mediator. We become God's son and daughters because Jesus was the son of God and in him we are adopted. Ephesians chapter one in him, we are adopted and in him we are made sons and in him, we will also reign with him, right? We will. And we have this relationship with the father as, uh, as God said, I will be a father and he will be a son to me in the Davidic covenant because of our union with Christ. We also enter into that relationship. And if you remember, um, Adam was son of God, so in that sense, we become sons of God because of the son of God, Jesus. And then we have eternal life, which means no more death. And we will live in the new heavens and the new earth, um, which is how God had Adam in... um, the garden of eden which was the land that god gave adam and that was also the temple a sanctuary where god communicated with adam and then through jesus and through the new covenant we will be in the new heavens and the new earth and we will be in relationship in the presence of god in the land that he gives us Okay, so at this point, uh, your notes are done, but I have one more slide. And I'm not gonna ask you, do you have any questions? But I am expecting that all of you will have questions. You should have lots of questions at this point. And it should be like, how did the new covenant and Jesus as the covenant mediator fulfill all the prophecies of the new covenant? There are so many things that are prophesied in the prophets. And where, what's happening? Where is that? Is Jesus the new and better Adam? What happened to all of the things that Adam did and who's going to clean up now, right? Is he the new and better David? The prophet said there will be a David, right? Is he the new and better David? Is he the new and better Israel? If he is, then how? How is he the new and better David? How, how is he the new and better Israel, is Jesus the true son of, uh, true seed of Abraham? Remember, God told Abraham that through your seed mul- I will bless the nations. And Paul says clearly, it's, and we saw this also when we looked at the Abrahamic covenant. It's not seeds, but it's seed singular. So, who is the seed? If this is the new covenant, which was supposed to be the end of everything. Where is the seed and if it is Jesus, how what is going on? How is how does that get fulfilled? What about the old covenants? Are we still obligated to keep everything? What about the 613 commandments in the Mosaic covenant? Are we still supposed to keep it? Forget 613. What about the Sabbath? Are we supposed to keep that? One and what about God's original plan since creation? What did we say was God's original plan for us since creation? Anybody? I should give you all the test. Yes, Chris. It's, it's, it's rule and, uh, yes, rule and subdue the earth. But the way we phrased it was rule the earth as my representatives through obedience. Right? It is not just rule the earth. It's not just be my representative but it is also through obedience that is what adam failed that is what israel failed right they were not obedient so what happens to that what how do we do that and if the new covenant is already here where are the new heavens and the new earth what about the new temple <laughs> where is it and What about God's presence? Aren't we supposed to live just like Adam lived or even in a greater way? Aren't we supposed to be in God's presence in a greater way? What about all these things? And then finally, why is there still death? If the power of sin is gone, then why why is there still death? And sickness and other things. So as we come to the New Covenant and as we look at the New Covenant, these are the questions that we should ask. And obviously, I'm gonna talk about all of these things next week, okay? So next week, as I said, it's gonna be loaded. We're gonna answer all of these questions, and I don't know if I will be able to be done in one class, but we will look at all of these things, and primarily we'll look at how Jesus fulfills all of the old, all of the covenants that came before us. And because all of those covenants, they cannot be left undone, right? What happens, you cannot just leave them hanging, and there needs to be a closure. And if the new covenant is it, then the new covenant is supposed to fulfill those, and we will see how, And which is what the prophet said, that everything is moving towards the new covenant, okay? I know you all have questions, we'll look at it <laughs> next week. So let's pray before we go. up. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you remembered your covenant and you sent your son, Jesus, at the right time to forgive our sins and to give us new life and to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that we are enjoying your presence and we have the Holy Spirit in us and we are part of your family through your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We pray, Lord, that you will help us, that as we live in this new covenant, that we will be faithful to you and we will walk in obedience. Father, we pray all this in, you, in your son's name. Amen.